0: Good morning Good morning In less than an hour Aircraft from here will join others from around the world And you will be launching the largest aerial battle in the history of mankind Mankind, that word should have new meaning for all of us today We can't be consumed by our petty differences anymore. We will be united in our common interest. Perhaps it's fate that today is the 4th of July and you will once again be fighting for our freedom. Not from tyranny, oppression or persecution, but from annihilation. We're fighting for our right to live Our Independence Day!
1: Buddy. and welcome to this special episode of the Wampus Lair podcast where we normally talk all things Star Wars but not this week no Siri Bob we are talking about the classic blockbuster hit Independence Day 25 years old this year and talking Independence Day I gotta bring in my trusted wingman the one and only Captain Joe Hogan loser <laughs>
2: That's maybe the best intro I've ever received anywhere regarding anything. I love it. How
1: you doing, Carl? Uh, Joe, I'm friggin' excited, man. You and I have been watching this movie kind of on loop since... Mm
2: -hmm. Not kind of.
1: Yeah, very much so. So um, for any of you listening, every year, Joe and I, for the past, I think it's been a good three or four years now, Joe, Every summer, starting in June, we start watching Independence Day up through the 4th of July. And usually like mid to late June into early July, we watch it sometimes three times a week. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So Mm -hmm. this year for its 25th, we decided, all right, once a month for the entire year, we'll watch this movie with our typical summer rush. Um, And we've done a lot of Independence Day watching uh, in the last month and a half. and. Kind of capitalized on it just last, or cheaper. I guess it was two weekends ago now. Time really flies. But I was down in New York with you and your girlfriend, and we did a pretty awesome filming location tour of the Manhattan Independence Day sites. Uh,
2: well, we did half of it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We missed a few. It was a hot day. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh,. Yeah, so Joe and I really love this movie. Um, like I said, it was tw- it hit 25 years old on July 3rd, which was actually the date of my brother's wedding this summer. So I was like, I said <clears> to my brother and I was like, listen, if I'm not allowed to give the president's speech during your wedding, I'm, I'm going to be really upset. Um, but yeah, we're super excited to talk about this movie. Uh, obviously, if you are normally here in the Wampus Lair looking for Star Wars, uh, we'll be back with that, of course, next week. But this is just a fun special episode. We wanted to, we've been wanting to do this for a while, Joe, and kind of just kept getting busy. And it's already mid-August, and it's like we got to get this out at least till before the summer ends.
2: <laughs> so the clock, the clock is ticking. Time's up, as as David would say.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we don't want it to be checkmate on us, so no checkmate no checkmate, no checkmate for us that. but so yeah, we're just going to talk about some of our favorite moments from the movie. Uh, there are so many ways to approach this thing, um, but you know with the amount of times we've watched it, we just want to share with you some of our favorite moments. if you're a big Independence Day fan or even you're just here for the nostalgia of that fun old blockbuster movie, uh, hopefully you'll enjoy our little reminiscence about some of these key scenes so.
2: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) nothing to add to that at all. (laughs) Yes.
1: Um, So let's just get right into it. Joe, we we each prepared 10 points and Mm, I'm I'm sure sure we're going
2: to have like nine in common.
1: Yeah, we'll probably have a lot in common. Um, So I'm going to just I'm going to throw out my my first one and we'll go from there. How's that sound? Yeah. Please. All right. Well, I want to, of course, uh, I've been wanting to put movie clips in about this movie for so long on the Wampus Lair, so we're going to make that happen right now. And my first moment is when we meet Dr. Oaken.
0: Wow. (laughs) Uh, This, what a pleasure. (laughs) As you can imagine, they they don't let us out much. I can understand that. I love I love this moment. I love
1: I love Brackish Oaken, who's played by Brent Spiner, of course, of Star Trek fame. He's the, the actor that plays Data in the Next Generation. I, I just think he's so perfectly cast in this role. And I love I love the moment in the movie here. He's this very eccentric kind of almost childlike character who's so excited to meet the president, even though he probably hasn't been out from underground in years. Um, there's just like this joyfulness about him getting to meet the president. And I think, you know, with the president showing up there, it legitimizes everything he's been doing for most of his adult career, which is working on that crashed alien spacecraft. So, wow, the president's here to meet me. Wow, finally, what I've been doing my whole life, it, it matters. Uh, so it's just, like, it's this great little moment that uh, that always gives me a chuckle.
2: I think he's also the... Um the, the last kind of main character to get introduced, right? I'm pretty sure everybody else is introduced in Act 1, but Act 2, we get uh, Dr. Oaken. I mean, unfortunately, we don't see a whole lot of him past Act 2. Um, but, yeah, uh, what a what a great character he is. Uh, and, you know, you mentioned, you touched on it a little bit, that he was doing all that work there for so long. He's He's got that book, uh, the prequel book, The Silent Zone, which... Really fleshes that character out, and because of reading that book, I have a lot more appreciation for him now. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you feel the same way. I feel like you probably oh, yeah. will. Cause you, you you were the one that told me you got to read this. You got to read because we <laughs> we bought the uh, the omnibus that was Silent Zone. Uh, then it was the movie novelization, and then it was also yeah, the just... uh, War in the Desert. I think was the name of the last one. Yeah, War in the Desert. Um, and uh, you started reading Silent Zone and. You're the reason I started reading it when I did because I probably it would have sat on my shelf for a while. Um but you were just like so into it and raving about it. I was like all right, I got to see what this is all about then. And uh it's awesome. Great character. Great great choice and great character.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And if like us, if you even are just a little more interested in the Independence Day lore than just like, oh, I enjoy that movie from time to time, you really might enjoy the the prequel novel called um In the chat, wait! Oh my gosh, I'm thinking Star Wars now. Silent Zone, (laughs) Uh, but yeah, you can grab that like an omnibus, and it's so good. You get to learn about that crash craft. You get to learn a little bit about uh, where the aliens come from too, which is so. If if you're in any way interested about more alien lore, read Silent Zone because it's great and it's a super short read too.
2: Yeah, it went really quick. I was surprised with how uh fast it was and easy to follow. I was expecting it because it was, you know, mostly characters that were new. Um there's a, there's a few that we're familiar with that I, I don't really want to uh to spoil because I think it's 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 great that the story reveals it the way that it reveals it. Um but yeah, it's it's what a great character and, and a fun prequel and it really gives more you know, obviously it gives more context, but it also just gives a lot more depth to a character that uh, you know I was already very fond of. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. Great choice.
1: Well, why don't you throw one out for us?
2: All right, sounds good. Uh, I'm gonna go with the opening scene at SETI, the uh, the extraterrestrial intel. I can't remember what the S stands for. What is S stain for? Uh,
1: search
2: search for search for extra- extraterrestrial intelligence. Yeah. I yeah. Think, right. Yep. Um. I don't know what it is. I just love that opening scene where that's the first human realizes that something's going down, you know, not necessarily that it's a bad thing, but, you know, we go from our ordinary to our extraordinary, right? Mm -hmm. And, like, that's the moment where, you know, normalcy is just out the window. That's it. You know, you have the one guy who is um, just practicing his putting, or whatever, and then all of a sudden you have a bunch of these characters who are not very interesting. there's not really much to them, but I don't know, maybe it's because we've watched it so many times. I love those characters. you know the the SETI chief is is great who oh, I can never remember that guy's name, but he was in Stargate, he's in Mr. Deed's he's in, he's, in er- he's like in everything as a side character, and he's awesome. Um, but I, I don't know, I just I love that scene. I love. The, the mood and how like they're even optimistic at first right? oh it's a real thing a radio signal from another world <laughs> and then and then they're slowly pre- wait a minute this can't be right it's coming from the moon where is this coming from this is crazy uh, I, I love it I love it so much
1: it's yeah I, I also love the REM song they have playing in the background <laughs> it's the <laughs> right? end of the world as we know it which is a little on the nose but quite true <laughs> yeah
0: it's Oh, you had it
2: ready
1: to go.
0: Okay.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Um No, I, I I love this scene too. It's it's so like it just gets you geared up and I love the uh the character that kind of first hears the signal. At first it's like no way, right? Like it, this can't be real. And it just this this very quick dawning on them that like not only is it real, but it's right here. <laughs> right? Like right here. Um And of course this scene also starts to introduce from the early early Act One moments all of the, you know, managers of positions being annoyed to have to do their job, right? When he calls his boss. (laughs) This isn't an insanely beautiful woman, I'm hanging up. (laughs) (laughs) A few minutes later with the Admiral. Admiral on deck. This better be good. Admiral on deck. Yeah. So yeah, this better
2: yeah, that's right. <laughs> this better be good. Yeah. Uh, all right, sir. This is your job. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. Nobody likes doing their job in uh, in this movie. Um yeah, yeah, it's it's so cool. And this was something last time we were watching it. I, I kind of asked you I was like, "Cheaper's like, "How the heck did they show up so quickly?" Like we have deep space like probing devices for a reason. Like SETI is set up for that. So you would think if there ever was a signal in reality, it would be from very far away. So to be pinging it from basically the moon tells me that these aliens probably use some sort of like uh, wormhole technology because that's the only way you can just show up out of nowhere. Um, that's me getting into well, physics.
2: We, we kind of see that in um, – That's true. I know, that, yes. I know that's the movie that we don't like to talk about. But in Independence Day Resurgence, we do see the ships show up out of a wormhole.
1: That's right. Um, yeah.
2: So yeah, you're, you're absolutely right there.
1: The movie that we shall not name.
2: <laughs> I know the, that I just named. I'm yeah. sorry.
1: Um, no, that's a great one.
2: So, all right, you're up.
1: My next one is Steve and David saying goodbye to um, uh, their their ladies. Uh, so, mm-hmm. Steve saying goodbye to Jasmine, David saying goodbye to Connie, as they're getting ready to go to the mothership. Um, It's just like a really tender moment that the thing about this movie that continually works for me is that they they put in the work in act one to make you care about the main characters. Um, And I'm sure there's people out there that are like, I didn't care. But no, I definitely do. Like they, they put in the work early on enough to make me care about their relationships. Steve and Jasmine are clearly very in love characters. But there's this kind of, you know, this tension between them because they're not married and she's got a kid. And in this moment, Steve is really the father, right? He's he's saying goodbye to Dylan like he's saying goodbye to his son. Um, he's married to Jasmine now, right? There's this There's this. finally like all the things that we kind of use to separate us. You know, this, this horrible event has taught us the lesson of putting those aside and we're together now. And you've got that beautiful little tender moment between David and his father, Julius. And, you know, Julius saying, I'm very proud of you. It's kind of it, – it's it's a very different place than early in the movie when he, he's making fun of him for how long he was in college just to be a cable repairman, you know. Like he's 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 always kind of jabbing David, but here it's it's this really beautiful moment of you know I'm really proud of you. Um, there's no disappointment there at all, and and then I love how David hands him a Torah and a uh, a little yarmulke. You know, it. A lot of Roland Emmerich movies have little elements of something about like faith and religion, and. I think it's there because he does find it somewhat valuable, Um, and you know, in that moment, David kind of knows what his dad needs too. So it shows that there is this this real care between both of them, and musically in that little moment, I love it when. When the uh, Torah is held out and it's zoomed in on the camera, there's these little bell chimes that are played in the music in the score, and it reminds me of that moment in *Phantom Menace* when Anakin first sees Qui-Gon's lightsaber, and and we get the same thing. John Williams plays a couple bells, like "Ooh, there's something magical here." Um, so I love that the the Torah gets a little magical note in the in the musical score as as it's handed to Julius.
2: That's a great choice, and yeah, it's funny. While while you were. Before you even said the chimes, I was like, "Ooh, that the chimes moment." I like, I do like that moment. And then you were like, "Oh, by the way, the score." I was like, "Ooh, okay." <laughs> you and I have watched this movie way too many, many times. Um, uh, so I have a similar one. I guess I'll, I'll, I'll just do mine. Mine is actually David and Steve's uh, farewell to each other on mm. the, uh, you know, when they're in the alien spacecraft uh, inside the mothership, and they're basically they went from kind of running away almost like children like oh no they see us let's run away and then they're sitting in the back and they're you know you know it's somber and they're they're you know almost depressed and then they just like their resolve kind of washes over them like you ready yes sir only thing one left to do steve it's been a pleasure you too and they you know shake hands and everything and you know these two people from two very different worlds uh, you know, kind of coming together with their, their common goal, just as like pretty much the, the whole theme of the movie is our differences don't matter that much, um, or at least they shouldn't matter that much you know, we unfortunately live in a very different world but um, <laughs> unfortunately, you know, there's no aliens trying to kill us all, and we, but you know what I mean it's, it's, <laughs> the film really is about coming together, putting aside our differences, which is the way it, it should be, we should all be able to be you know, treated equally and, and, you know, we are all in it together and and that's the way it's supposed to be. But unfortunately, in a lot of ways, that's not the way it is. Yeah. Um, but the fact that, you know, these two are, are facing their mortality and like, all right, we got one thing left to do. And then they, you know, just before it moves on to the next part of that scene, uh, they are making fun of the aliens, waving at them, mocking them, you know what I mean? Like, it's such a great, like, the, the mood turns around on its head it does a total 180 in just the perfect way it doesn't feel too forced it doesn't feel uh, like it doesn't take you out of the story it's just like these two characters are taking control of their destiny they're ready to go out their way and uh, they're heroes you know what I mean like they save everybody essentially these two um, and it's such a, a great character moment that the two of them have together
1: yeah um Well, yeah, that leads me kind of right into my next one, which...
0: It's funny, I always thought that things like these would kill me. Oh, there you go! (laughs) Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Steve, you too. Only one thing left to do. Ready? Yes, sir.
1: <laughs> so good. I, I love the way you kind of broke this down, Joe. It, the, the, this kind of progression from, you know, and and the music, of course, mimics it so beautifully. Again, because I'm going to be mentioning this a lot. David Arnold is the composer for the Independence Day score. Absolutely incredible score um in in my opinion uh he also scored a lot of the james bond movies of the late 90s so he did golden tomorrow never dies um really really good film composer all that to say but yeah the music follows that little journey you just broke down joe which is you know it's kind of this resignation of like all right well we're stuck here but the least we can do is take them with us right and and then comes that you know little bonding moment between the two of them, and they're just determined they're gonna make fun of the aliens we're gonna do this and and just you know let let it be what it's gonna be uh so yeah, and it so I actually wasn't gonna mention this I'm glad you did, but i'm gonna go right into obviously their escape, so then as they're escaping, you know they're kind of surprised as they're released from the clamp, and they're making their way out of there. You know, it's kind of this really funny reversal of they seem to have this lack of communication on their way up, and now as they're screaming at each other, getting the heck out of there, uh, they seem to be completely in sync. And what's so cool about that stuff is all of those lines are ad libbed by Jeff Goldblum and Will Smith in that moment, which is really funny. And Joe, you sent me this great article about you know the 25th anniversary, and you know interviewed a bunch of the folks involved, and. Apparently, it was Roland Emmerich who really wanted Jeff Goldblum to say, must go faster. He wanted that line from Jurassic Park. So that was intentional by Roland Emmerich. And apparently, Jeff Goldblum really didn't want to say it. He felt like it was kind of a disrespectful move to Steven Spielberg for writing it in in Jurassic Park. But he ended up relenting. He did it. And he says, you know, I always hoped Mr. Spielberg would forgive me. And and apparently, Steven Spielberg loved it. So it worked out. (laughs) But... Yeah, I love that that tension as they're leaving, but also just there's almost a comedy in it because I think at this point we know, all right, they're going to get out, they're going to be okay. You know, we've seen these moments before, but the tension between them is it's just so comical as a result.
2: Yeah, there's also something that I wish they kind of. I mean, I guess they do set it up well enough, but as a kid, I didn't. Put two and two together so i'll i'll mention another one of my moments because it's it's relevant to this and it, it does kind of come back to yours mine is entering the mothership mine is, my number two is when they're actually um going in and we're seeing this like awesome how these things like maybe not how they live everyday life but like what their infrastructure is like what their life is like um and we get a shot of well several shots ...of this invasion army that's just, you know, all lined up... uh, ...kind of in, like, a a military formation... ...and they're boarding these, um, I guess, troop carriers... ...that I always called them as a kid, upside-down Star Destroyers... (laughs) Um, ...and, you know, we see them boarding... ...and I didn't really think much of it... ...but during the escape, we actually see... ...those upside-down Star Destroyer troop carriers heading towards the exit and they're, they're slower moving than the attack fighters. Um, but it, it really amps up the stakes that, you know, not only do they have to get out of there, uh, as quickly as they can, but the troop carriers are also behind them. And if those get out, that's an even bigger problem because the, the fight's not going to be over. Now they're gonna have to deal with all these, these ground troopers, um, So not only are they escaping with their lives, they're also trying to, you know, they they happen to set the nuke off at the right moment that, um, you know, they were able to take out all the armies, too. So, you know, it was the the quote unquote Air Force was doing most of the work. Now the uh, the army and the Marines of the aliens were were on their way next. Um, And I wish that they kind of put a little more emphasis on that because, you know, they're just kind of there. And they're going in the same direction. I wish there was like one line, like "Oh, the troop carries. We got. We can't let them. We gotta get out of here before they before they get out or whatever." I don't know. I don't know what they could have said, but um, something like that. I wish it was something that they had added. But still, it's it's what what a like tense moment. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. like I I remember even you know we've seen it so many times, but even now I'm just like, "Ooh, tense up." You know what I mean? Like my butt (laughs) cheeks clench a little tiny bit still. (laughs) Like oh, I hope you guys get out.
1: Yeah. It's funny when you, you know, you mentioned when you were a kid, you didn't put two and two together. Those were the troop transports. I obviously didn't either. I always just in my head. There was those were just like ships fleeing because they knew the explosion was coming. It didn't like it didn't compute that. No, actually, that those were the troop transports um, that are making their way out of there. Uh, which is like a terrifying thought because, you know, that is – it's such a cool I, – I love the color palette of the interior of the mother of ship. Yeah, mothership. absolutely. It's such a cool – like I mean you're the artist. Is that like an aqua teal blue or something? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's I mean it's obviously a combination of colors but, you know, I don't know. It's just I love that color and as they kind of come in and, and I love the way that both Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum play their parts. They're kind of leaning forward in their seats like looking out like – there's this, they're kind of mesmerized um, by what they're seeing, and and the threat of like you know, like wow, there must be thousands of millions. What are they do? What the hell are they doing? Looks like they're preparing for an invasion, right? Like it's like oh cool, but it's like we don't really feel the threat because it's not mentioned again. You know, like you right. said, like they could have definitely amped that up a little bit, but. I feel
2: like that was probably a budget reason, just because they were like, "Okay, this is supposed to be zillions of aliens. We'll show them really far away, so it's easy to do where they're all lined up, and then we'll have the one shot where the camera's looking up, so you only see a couple of them lined up getting into the ships." Yeah, uh, it it works. It does. It does work, but because it's so like quick and it's almost like a throwaway line, um, I I had missed it so many times as a kid. It really wasn't until I started like really paying attention to the filmmaking of the movie that I really understood that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a, it, it's such a good, such a good moment as they're coming in to this whole new world and just seeing it's even more dangerous than they had even anticipated.
2: And you know, what's cool about it. I like that they could have very easily have built like a giant, you know, you see everything, but the fact that you kind of can't see everything, you only see a little bit at a time because of the foggy alien mist, like, it makes it scarier. It's, yeah. it's more like unknown. What is in here? This is so creepy and I hate <laughs> it. And like you said, the color is very alien but just because of like, like, we don't really have anything like that on earth. Um, it was just such a great contrast of going from everything on earth is crystal clear to this hazy, you know, it's almost metaphoric. I'm probably reading into it more than I should, but like they're literally flying into the unknown completely blind And the aliens are holding all the cards because they take control of the ship. And in every way, there are these two almost helpless individuals just going into that unknown and and, uh, we're rolling the dice here and everything is is relying on us making it out. It's just like such the cool, um, I don't even know the word, theme, I guess, theme? Uh, Yeah. Maybe metaphor was the right word, I'm not sure. But the symbolism, I guess. Yeah, Uh, is is great in in that whole regard. I thought that was a lot of really awesome choices.
1: Right. Well, and and even using like Campbellian language, you know, for the hero's journey, this is this is these two characters going, you know, being swallowed by the belly. They're going into the belly of the beast and they're going to come out transformed. And I would say the way that they essentially do come out transformed is I, I love the way you broke down them as characters is how kind of very different they are, different walks of life. Uh, You know, very different people, but they come out of that with and even though we only get it for, you know, that closing shot, which is all of like two minutes, you just get this sense that there is there is this bond now between them that will make them incredibly close for the rest of their lives. Right. I mean, it's soldiers talk about this all the time. You know, the, the you know, they're they're brothers in arms when they're in combat. You know, that's an experience. That you've never had with anyone else and will never have with anyone else. So it creates a very special bond. And when they go into that place, they come out totally different people. But ultimately what has changed between them is how close they are just from this brief experience. And I love that so much.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, cool. Well, uh my next one, I got a, a, a great clip here from shortly after <laughs> the sad demise of dr oken or according oh, to uh, resurgence just his slipping into a coma
2: um yeah he did die in this movie yes ladies and, and gentlemen. then they
1: brought him back so really resurgence is really just it's the story of dr oken <laughs> it, it, is really, really the their, is. their version
2: of uh marvel's what if yeah, yeah. <laughs> what if dr oken stayed alive
1: yeah Uh, But, of course, it's after the president has his experience of the alien mind probe, and he learns their plan. I saw his thoughts.
0: I saw what they're planning to do. I like locusts. They're moving from planet to planet. Their whole civilization. After they've consumed every natural resource, they move on. And we're next... Snoop the bastards.
1: That's right, Joe. Let's duke nuke him. <laughs> <laughs> he's
2: ready to kick ass and chew bubble gum. Yes. And he's all
1: out of gum. Sorry, I messed up the volume there, everybody. I, my apologies for blowing anyone's eardrums. Um, I, I, I really like just. I love the exposition like this in a story like this. Like I mean, that's why Silent Zone was such a great book to me because it it, it actually expanded a little bit on the mythology of these aliens. And. This is kind of that one scene where we we really get what they're there for. I mean, it, it's clear they're there to destroy us, but you know this this just tells the backstory. These are this is an entire race of of an alien species that makes its way across the universe, just consuming everything it needs, just essentially destroying said planet and then moving on to the next one. I mean, they really are like locusts. And I don't know. I was thinking about this kind of in a more with some more of a modern context than even this movie is, but. The aliens are ultimately the, the kind of extreme example of colonization, which is obviously something terrible that you know you know human powers have been do had been doing this for centuries, right? You know we go into a place, uh, we at least as humans pretend to play nice with the people that we (laughs) colonize, but ultimately we destroy them, kill them, take what we want. This is what the aliens are, kind of on an extreme, right? Like they don't have any you know they have nothing but a disregard for anything they come through you know to quote loki from avengers does the uh does the boot think about the ant or whatever he says right like um that's essentially what these aliens are thinking of the human race is just they're they're an impediment let's kill them because we deserve everything here so Um, And and the way it just shakes up President Whitmore. I mean, he's obviously very clearly against using nuclear weapons because that's going to have repercussions for everyone in the world. Um, But he's so shaken by the terror of what these exterminators will do to them that he does. He just kind of in this desperation, just You know, and it's desperation, and also like a little bit. There's obviously a lot of anger. I love the way Bill Pullman says that line: "Nuke them, let's nuke the bastards." Right? Like, Mm -hmm. there's kind of that like rugged, badass Clint Eastwood feel to it. Um, But it's also a little bit like that's a knee jerk, angry reaction, right? I mean, it it makes me think of September 11th. What the day after that happened? You know, almost all of America was like, "Well, who did this? Let's go kick their ass." Right? Like, it's just kind of your that instinctual response to when someone utterly cripples you like that you kind of have this reaction of like i'm gonna punch you right back as hard as i can so you can't get up right like i think that's a very human response um and and i think bill pullman plays president whitmore so well so balanced throughout this crazy story but this is like that one moment where in there's this mix of terror and desperation that makes him make this very rash decision to to nuke him
2: yeah it's funny that you kind of mentioned before um he, he cuz he is very 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 against using uh nuclear weapons but you know we even have that that clip from early in the movie that you know they they uh, elected a warrior and they got a wimp and you know yeah. so far we've seen him be very diplomatic and then you know not to say that a warrior immediately turns to nuclear weapons but like we saw that soldier in him for a second he's like oh okay Tac- now we have to think tactically the time for diplomacy is done uh we're we're finished with um, you know, strategy. Now we're gonna act. that's it. We're gonna act now. That's it. We're gonna take the fight to them. And I I really love that moment, not because he he makes that switch, but because it's kind of a um, it's almost maybe not a foreshadowing, but it's definitely like a little a glimpse at what we're gonna see him be doing later in the film. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I what, what a what a, what a scary just like. Moment that was of him, you know, being so violated by, you know, his, his having his mind, um, you know, infiltrated by this alien force and, and just, you know, what it must have felt like to have seen everything. Imagine if they, I kind of wish, you know, this is one of the few things I wish that they really did change in the movie where we saw what he saw, where mm. like we almost got like the flashbacks and, and yeah. saw everything that he saw. It's, it's, you know, not necessary, but like it's one of those things. And I most of the time, I like the principle of show, don't tell. Um, so, like, it is kind of a little bit of exposition of him saying, "Oh, I just here's what happened to me." I mean, we could tell that you know the alien was messing with his head, obviously. But like, I really wish that we saw what it was that that he was experiencing. I think that would have been really cool. But
1: well, I think know, uh, I think if that movie was made today, we would have though. That's the difference, right? Like, yeah, it, 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 it's it, it's yeah.
2: I, the style of movie making is different these days, which, for better or for worse, I I do think this movie works really well the way it is. Obviously, it's not perfect, but it's you know I I also kind of love it for its imperfections. Too. Sure, yeah,
1: yeah. It, it it I feel like and I could be wrong with this because I'm not a super knowledgeable pop culture person, but I feel like ever since the days of Family Guides, where we have this very tangential storytelling, where somebody says like an off reference and then boom, you get to see it, right? Um, I feel like that's become a very common thing in television shows especially Uh, and and I think if this was a movie that was made in the late you know the the mid 2020s or something we would have we would have had that like quick little vision flash across the screen of you know a very CGI planet with the aliens just feasting on everything and the planet burning up or something like it I feel like that would have been a very CGI heavy thing and they probably just their budget was too constrained too at those times. Um, to probably yeah, for to, sure. to, 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 foresee, to foresee that but yeah cool well um,
2: I have a, a moment that is, is connected to that one also so I'll, uh, I'll do it and there's really yeah. not much to say about it I just really like it uh, is that class bulletproof? No sir where you have the Secret Service you have General Grey and you have um, the Area 51 I can't think of his name oh, what's that guy's name? Adam Baldwin uh,
1: yeah I, I don't remember
2: is he no. Colonel? I don't remember
1: uh, cheapers, they say his rank earlier. I want to say he's a major. Yeah.
2: Major, yes. yes. Yeah, major, Mitchell. A, major Mitchell. Major Mitchell. Yep. Major Mitchell. Yep. Uh, yeah, I don't know what it is. I just like all of them shooting through the bulletproof, uh, the, the, the normal glass and saving the president and, and killing the alien. I just, the way they're all lined up, I love, you have said this many, many times, so maybe I'm hijacking one of your moments. I hope I'm not. Um, but you always say, Oh, I love that General Gray, like the old, <laughs> Gruff veteran, like well, not veteran because he's still serving, but like the general has a sidearm, and he's like, "All right, let's go to work," kind of thing. Oh. so (laughs) cool, such a cool moment. I love it, and that's really it. That's all I have to say about it. I just really like it. I I
1: love that you mentioned that moment because, yeah, it it is. I mean, every time I watch him, just like yes, like it always blows my mind that General Gray is wearing a sidearm because, I mean, in traditional militaries, higher. Higher officers don't typically carry weapons, as far as I know. Um, but so for yeah, for General Gray, especially, just pull out his pull out his pistol like that and just unload. Uh, again, it's 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 just like it's a badass moment, you know? Uh, they are they're wreaking this terrible ass- assault on the mind of the president, and they're just like, nope, not going to happen in our house. And they just gun him down. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, it's a great moment. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Well, all
0: right. What do you
2: got?
1: I got a I got a quick one in a way, but I feel like this is definitely going to be something you're going to want to talk about more. Um, <laughs> okay, but it's the appearance, the first appearance of the city destroyers. Um, it's so cool. So obviously, one of the the main spot we went to a couple of weeks ago when, when we were doing this New York little tour is we went to that spot between the Brooklyn and Manhattan bridges, right there on the the East River. And did like a little photo, like live photograph of where the ship came in over New York. And every one of those shots is so cool. The way they break out of those clouds. And it, I'm going to kind of steal something you said earlier, which is really bright, which is these aliens are oftentimes clouded in this myth. We can't quite see what's going on. You know, the, the whole beginning of the movie, it's like we know they're coming. But we don't really see anything. And then, boom, all of a sudden they come out of, you know, these clouds. All of a sudden they're fully visible and they are terrifying. And Mm -hmm. just then, you know, you get all these shots of people screaming and running through the streets and, you know, people standing there on the sidewalks just gazing in kind of an awe. But um, I love this moment so much because it connects to a very strong principle in religious studies, which is uh, I've probably quoted this guy before on the show, but a famous uh, religious studies scholar. Um, from late nineteenth century Germany Rudolf Otto uh, he wrote this book called "The Idea of the Holy," and he said that re- you know a religious experience always consists of two what might seem like opposite reactions, and one which is something that you're filled with wonder. And at the same time, you're filled with terror, <laughs> you know, because you're terrified about what this unknown thing is, but it's also kind of wonderful. Cause you're like, Oh my gosh. And I think that's exactly the reaction we get from people watching these ships appear. It's like it, David, I feel like plays it so well. J- Jeff Goldblum plays it so well as he's standing on top of that building over central park. So watching it come in and it's like, wow, wow like this is so marvelous. Like this is so cool, but also Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are we
2: allowed to swear?
1: No, We're I mean, we don't, we, don't, don't need, we don't need to celebrate that, but I feel like in some places you need it. All um, right. But, he,
2: did, he does say that. Yes. He does say that.
1: But, uh, yeah, so I love that moment. I know you, I feel like you also really enjoy that too.
2: That is my number one moment. That's oh, yeah. <laughs> my, literally my, my last number one moment here. Um, it's a big part of it is the visual um, I've always really liked surreal imagery, like something that is normal mixed with something that's abnormal or extraordinary or really out of place. Um, I think that always makes for really good art in general. I think that makes for great horror, um, mm. where like things are supposed to look like this, but they don't. Um, and absolutely hundred percent seeing the UFOs over to me home. And that, like, that's the creepy part. Is I, I'm looking at home in in you know in all these scenes of Manhattan under attack, um, which you know obviously had a very different um, different impact a few years later after this movie came out when when 9 11 did happen. And you know, I it it, it does in a weird way, kind of like hit the same part in my brain as you know uh, it did that day, where it's just like. You know, that day, it felt like we were watching Independence Day. That day, it felt like, this is a movie. This is so surreal and weird. Um, but, you know, when you watch it in the film, it's obviously a very safe environment, and you get to experience all those scary, creepy, weird uh, things that you never thought you would see in your life um, in a safe environment, right? And it's just, you know, it releases that that dopamine. Action movies and horror movies release that dopamine of of getting, you know to experience these adrenaline rushes and everything and i remember as a kid like feeling all the hair on my arms stand up seeing that scene for the first time thinking whoa they're in they're in my backyard here this is so weird and creepy um yeah i don't i I don't know what it is plus you know i'm also very attached to it uh other than the fact that we um you know, I've, I've lived here, I've lived in New York, Staten Island my whole life, and I've been to Manhattan more times than I can count because it's it's so close. Um, but we also got to visit these places. We got to visit all these places when, when you were here a few weeks ago. Plus, like, in, in passing, like, you know, when I was looking up the tour, um, these are all places I've been before and just never realized, like, oh, wow, that, that's where this was filmed. That's where this was So, like... This is like probably the most personal attachment I have to the film is that I've been to the locations that, you know, these things are shot so many times. Like, you know, you mentioned that we went to um, uh, the shot specifically where we see the UFO appear. That was right by the right under the Manhattan Bridge. And there's an overpass of the East Side Highway there that you they basically just set up shop. And what's cool is they really film there. Like it wasn't one of those things where like they film a shot and then they leave and they do reaction shots elsewhere. No, they turned the camera around and they filmed people. Like, now it's a baseball field, uh, but it used to be a basketball court. And there's a little car accident that happens. That's on the street right in front of where the basketball court was. Yeah. Like, right under the bridge. You can see the under, underbelly of the Manhattan Bridge. You can see the underpass um, of the East Side Highway. Um, that, all of that stuff really does take place right there. There are a few inconsistencies, like, with the direction of the UFO going from the other shots. When it's like moving through the city, which we also went to those spots too, where um a lot of the upshots were. And uh, so you, you, you saw like the buildings on either side of you, and then above the buildings were, were the uh the city destroyers kind of flying in. And um those were different directions. A lot of that was incorrect. But um it's still it's still cool that we like got to go there. And you know, I th- like I said, this is my favorite scene in the movie for the most part, so it it was just it, it was cool to be there and, and really take it in. Um, but yeah, that, that's my number one for sure. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Oh, it's it, like I feel like this moment of the movie, it's 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 so iconic, even just in movie history. Um, there's something so cool about those shots as they're as they're revealed. Um, And the movie, again, like it just it earns it like this movie puts in such great work during that first act. And, you know, everything about them approaching the tension of it and then it just breaking forth in these shots of the ships, you know, breaking out of the clouds. It's like it's such a great payoff because, again, they put in they put in the work to make that feel so big. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Cool. Well, why don't you throw another one out?
2: Uh alright. Let me do let me do one I really like, because I feel like you're gonna pick all the ones I really like before I do them. <laughs> yeah,
1: please
2: um, do. Let's see. I'm gonna do. I really like the um the first contact where uh you know Echo One and the the helicopter are, you know, you know, the helicopter shows up with all the lights trying to communicate with the city destroyer. They don't know it's a city destroyer at the time, but they're they're trying to make first contact. And obviously that doesn't go the way that they expect it to. The aliens open fire. And that's the moment where the whole tone of the movie shifts. Like there's the rising tension in that first act, but that's the moment where it's like, uh uh-oh, we know these guys are bad. We know these guys um, are here with... Uh, a lot of really cold, calculating um, malice, you know, malicious intent uh, in terms of us. And it's, you know, the evacuation that follows after that. You know, David is is clued in. I do think it's a little strange that David knows that the countdown is is going to be to destruction. All he knows that there's a signal and it's counting down. For all he knows, it's like, that's when first contact's going to happen. They're going to send out a, they're going to, you know the leader is going to come down, or whatever, and and shake hand, mankind's hand. Um, so David, it really kind of is paranoid, and it's a good thing that he is. But because we're following David so closely, we, and we know how smart he is, we're trusting his intent. Even though I kind of think that it's a little weird that he he knew what he knew already. Um, but that's the moment where you know there's no denying it. These guys are not here for the right reasons. We're in a lot of trouble. All those people who are dancing on top of the the skyscrapers are in a lot of trouble. Uh, anybody who has not evacuated out of the city is in a lot of trouble. The White House is in a lot of trouble. All of our heroes are still in Washington. Everybody's in trouble right now. And it's time to go. And uh, I just, I, I love that, like, I love that scene. I love that, you know, that's the first time we see that green mist too, right? Like the ship opens up yep. and, we, and, and we see that green mist kind of like... Uh, uh, leaking out of it onto the uh, the helicopter, and then the helicopter is I think just three of them, uh, and then that's it, man. The uh, the whole that's the game changer. Everything changes after that.
1: Sure does, and and it's got that great shot too of the helicopter on fire falling from the sky. I don't know. I just mm-hmm. I feel like that's it. It's like an homage to something that I probably just don't know what it's homaging, but <laughs> it just feels like an homage. Uh, mm-hmm. Just that that visual of this this thing burning up as it. Comes back into the atmosphere, um, yeah. It uh, very disturbing moment for sure, in the way that it should be. Um, but that's not something I was going to talk about. So, I'm, oh, it's, okay. It's cool that you brought it up. Um, so, let me bring up something that probably will be on yours, but I don't know if it'll be super high. Uh, okay. Um, but it's it's the Black Knights dogfight when they. They roll up on, uh, you know, the alien ship after it's destroyed LA and, you know, it's I I, there's several homages in Independence Day to all sorts of science fiction, great films. Um, And there's a few Star Wars ones for sure. And I love when they kind of come through the clouds and get the full visual of the, you know, the city destroyer. And Jimmy, who's my favorite character of the movie, just goes, holy God, right? It's it's Wedge Antilles. Look at the size of that thing. It's the exact same expression. I mean, different words, but same intent. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And. Just the the choreography of this dogfight is so cool. The only other dogfight in movie history I might like more than this is Return of the Jedis. Um, But this is my second favorite dogfight in movie history. Um, I I think Rogue One pales in comparison to it. That's how bold I'm going to be. Wow. Yeah. And again, for 25-year-old technology – it's friggin' baller (laughs) um and the thing i love about it though is the black knights you know the little bit we get of them again just the the sprinkling of exposition is this is an elite fighter squadron right like they're the best of the best and as soon as the the fight breaks out and the alien fighter craft come swarming out and you realize we can't even hit them you're just like they they may have run you know 100 combat missions all with a success rate but they're they're screwed right now they are so outmatched and i don't know like every time i watch the that scene still even though i know how it pans out like i'm always rooting for them it's like come on you're the best you guys can do this but it's just they just really can't they don't stand a chance and there's something wholly awesome and terrible about that (laughs) that real that reality
2: yeah um poor jimmy (laughs) boy i know boy jimmy he's the best i love him <laughs> he's not the best he's the worst he's not I the am. worst Tell i him. hate jimmy
1: he's always just he's trying so, to keep a light He's mood. so
2: annoying <laughs> oh, he's so good
1: harry connick jr is the perfect actor for that role too i'm trying to remember or who harry they wanted do you remember who they wanted and then they ended up going with Harry Connick Jr. No, I feel like good. that was in the article. It was uh, in, the in the article. That's, and I'm trying right, to remember who yeah. it, was. it was. It was a bigger name than him, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and they ended up – the other person didn't work out. But I, I can't remember who it was. But all I thought was there's no way they're going to be as good as Harry Connick Jr. So <laughs> as the good reverend would say, why are we on this particular mission? will never know. But I do know here today the Black Knights will emerge victorious once again.
2: I love you. It's not funny when he does it. It's not funny when you do it. I hate that speech. Oh, I hate that speech so much. I love it. They just like everyone just died. And and this idiot's pretending to be the reverend and like, oh, don't worry about it. Everybody dead, but it doesn't matter. I'm sure she got like, out of there, man. <laughs> I I his he's I love him in the first act. If he if he was serious in the in the second act, I would still love him. But the fact that he's joking around when, like, everybody's dead, like, that would not happen in real life. If everybody you knew and loved was dead, you would not be mess. I'm sorry. Like, I know everybody needs, like, levity and, and like, to, to relax in a situation. I don't know. I mean, I've never served, so I don't know just how soldiers are. But I do remember what the tone was here around, you know, not to bring it up, beat a dead horse, around 9-11, Nobody was joking and laughing around 9 11. It was all just like, everybody's dead. Oh my God, we got our butts kicked. We have to figure out what to do now. I don't know. Like, just because that's what I experienced around mm-hmm. me everywhere and seeing so many of the, you know, the firefighters. And I mean, I guess it was impossible to really know for sure. Um, and it's a movie and I'm probably thinking too much about it. But I don't know. Like, just because of what I know now. Versus, you know, what I what they knew when they made the movie, it just kind of bugs me. Um, yeah, but yeah I don't, My
1: I don't know. my quick counter to that is simply that he's. The, in 1996 you didn't tell those that you didn't focus that much on the the dark side of events right. like this right that's like, f- it's that's, a movie i should right. just shut up yeah no 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 I'm, I'm not trying to like say Light, wrong but lighten just, up, joke <laughs> <Hogan. yeah, it,
2: laughs> Life's too short
1: it's it's right like but and if, this is something like <laughs> i'm sure we'll talk about as we wrap up you know our discussion today but one of the appeals of this movie is that lightheartedness that this that mm. kind of that that kind of giddy naive optimism that this movie kind of in in, in encapsulates Um, i think that's kind of what jimmy provides in those moments because you're right like they should be like hanging their heads and um, to be fair i think we get that mood then when we go on air force one and you know president whitmore is like i you know there's so much more i could have done and he's feeling the weight of that regret so i think jimmy steps in in that moment is just like to me this that 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 fight is about all right it's payback time we're gonna get them and i think that's the thing is is it's it's let's pump this up let's make this out like it's any other mission because if we really think about this, it's fucking terrifying, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know. So, um, so yeah, I, comic, I like the comic relief grace.
2: exists for a reason. Yeah, I'll give Jimmy a pass. It still annoys me though.
1: <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, why do you throw, Jimmy. <laughs> Why don't you throw another one out?
2: Uh, all right, I have the um, my favorite shot of the movie, which is the city destroyers detaching from the mothership. And descending down on earth first it's you know it starts out completely black, and then we realize it's because it was just dark where the camera was, and then we see you know a round silhouette, and we see the the light coming from uh the earth, and you know the the shape kind of pulls back and levels out, and we see oh man that's a that's a big uFO and then we see all around it a lot of other little, like, the same UFOs, and there's a bunch of them, and now they're all moving towards the planet. Um, Real simple. But, you know, less is more sometimes. Composition's great. Lighting's great. Love the contrast. Um, It's just such a cool shot. Doesn't need a lot of detail. Like I said, less is more sometimes. And, uh, I, I love that there's almost no Verbal communication from the aliens in this movie at all. You know, we get that little bit of exposition, tiny bit of exposition from them with the Doctor Oaken scene. Um, but the fact that, like they, like you said before, they don't care. They don't care about us. They don't owe us an explanation. They're just they're here to do what they're here to do, and they, you know, they're just going to do it. You know, who cares? Here they are. They're showing up, and every every time we see them make a move, they just make the move. There's no conversation it's just here's the move here you go um i don't know i just i love that about these aliens
1: that's a great point cuz right normally when we get stories like this there's some level of communication like they make themselves mm-hmm. known verbally in some capacity they give you at least a quick like here's what we're here for but yeah the, it, again it it almost kind of reemphasizes how little they think of humanity! It's like you're not even worth telling what we're doing here. We're just gonna annihilate you. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I've come to love that shot even more because of you. Every time we watch it, and just you know, <laughs> Make a little I, shut up about uh, it. No, it's great. I love it, and it, it, it is. It's such a cool shot, and and I just love the way it looks. I mean, these very imposing spaceships right there in our orbit, just making their way down. It's just like, yeah, that, they're coming. It's it's here. Um, that's and it, just a quick sidetrack because it's not a particular moment, but just that, just that sensibility of like, as soon as they show up, going all the way back to that moment when we talked about Seti first noticing it, it's just like, no, they're here. Like, there's there is no prep time at all, and I love that you know when the the aide comes into the president's office, he says they will be entering our atmosphere in twenty five minutes. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> like, you there's no prep time. There's just they're here. And we have no idea what the hell they're going to do, but they're here. So, yeah, uh, I mean, imagine, you know, you're you're having a dinner party for some friends and they show up an hour early. We'll put that on steroids and multiply it by a million. And that's what, right. that's what the staff was feeling in the White House that day. Um, cool. Well, Joe, I'm going to give one of my favorite moments, which I'm fairly certain won't be one of yours. um, All right. I could be wrong. But it's actually even, I like this moment even more than the dogfight itself, but it's the Black Knight's briefing, because we got some some great moments with Jimmy and Steve. Two
0: men will be the first wave in our counterattack. Our target is to the north, centered above what remains of downtown Los Angeles. Our Black Knight squadrons will be scared, man. No. Nope. Fighters from Twenty Nine Palms. Yeah. Satellite recon, nope. reliable. So on our
2: target positions will be confirmed me.
0: from the ground. Oh. Hey, pay attention. Something you want to add to this briefing, Captain Hiller? No, sir. Just a little anxious to get up there and whoop E.T.'s ass. That's all. <laughs> right right. You get your chance. You'll we'll all get your chance. Good hunting. Dismissed. Kick the tires and light the fires, Big
1: Daddy.
2: Yeah. Let's kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. I like that line. I hate that scene <laughs> so much. It's the same It's the same for the same reasons I already discussed. Yeah, season. that's that's scary. I, I well here's why I love it. Because
1: um yes it, it it ends with one of my favorite lines probably ever in a movie. Let's kick the tires and light the fires, big it's daddy. Your favorite line ever? Not ever, but it's up there. It's definitely top 5 favorite mm. top 5 lines of of all my favorite movies. Um <laughs> I just love it so much. It makes me so happy. Um and the reason I love this scene is because there is, right? Like they they've been attacked, they've been obliterated and then boom, you get this scene of and again, the music helps tell this feeling of the moment which is this feeling of determination right these guys these are the best of the best you just you know you just messed with us and we're coming for you type of a thing and there's just this real strong sense of determination that these guys are gonna beat back these aliens that th- these are the ones these are the guys you want and they're gonna go win the day for us um, and and that just that sense of determination gives gives you such a sense of hope and the camaraderie between Steve and Jimmy, right? Like them just, well, more Jimmy goofing off there, but it shows just, I mean, him actually putting his head on Steve's shoulder. I actually really love that because in a weird way, Steve very much is a mentor figure to him. And and the little bit we get between them, right? Especially as they're fleeing, like, you know, Jimmy's coming under fire and he's like, you know, do that thing. Just like I told you, like, it's very clear. Jimmy's Mm -hmm. always been under his wing and, and just that little like head on his shoulder. It's like, he really trusts Steve. He really feels safe with Steve. And again, like they feel like together, there's nothing we've never been able to accomplish. So of course we're going to be able to do this. So I just, I love that, like that, get out of your seat. Let's do something about this. We got this type feel to that moment. That's that's why I love it so much. Yeah, that's fair. I'll give you that. <laughs> Excellent.
2: <laughs> <laughs> My gift to you, that.
1: <laughs> well, what? Do you, you got another one for us?
2: Yeah, let's see. Um, I love the um, the fire in the sky stuff. Mm. Like, I, it's it kind of goes off with the you know the, the same surrealism stuff that I was talking about before. But something, like, that was really when everyone first figured out on Earth that something was really up. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's going on in the Middle East, it's going on in Russia, all that stuff. And everybody's just trying to figure out what the hell is going on right now. And, you know, obviously it, it, it gets even worse, and we see that fire in the sky over New York, and it turns into the ship. Um, and then we also have the scene of the... Um, the military craft trying to get a visual on what is going on because they see the stuff on radar, but they can't find anything. And all of a sudden, the plane blows up because of the, uh, the fireball of the... what are they, What is it? It's like the, uh, the fumes of the, of the fuel like entering the atmosphere or whatever. So it's like creating this like crazy. I've heard it's, fiery, I've heard it's uh, that. And I've
1: also heard though, it's just the friction of the air difference. You know, you have this massive thing oh, coming okay. into the atmosphere and the way it's kind of um, messing with the atmosphere. It creates this cloud of mm-hmm. fire. So it can be either one or both. Okay, but, but yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Either way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just love how, uh, how just weird and scary it looks. I just, I like my weird and scary stuff. I really do. Mm,
1: yeah. I mean, it's like a forest fire in the sky. Yeah. You know, there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. And it's coming for you. Right. It's, I mean, again, like a great visual foreboding of what's to come. You know, they, they are, they are a ravaging fire, if you will. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they've, they've come to purify the earth, if you will. So, oh, no. yeah, well, in their minds, that's what they're there for. Mm. Um, no, they're
2: just here for our resources. They don't care about purifying the earth. True.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, well, they want it, they want it, the pure resources and nothing else hogging them. So we got mm, to we got to go. be gone. There you um, go. Uh, well, so my next one, um, you may have this as well, um, is the actual opening shot of the movie with the mothership approaching Earth. Mm. Um, you know, it's very low I wanted it for this music here but yeah I uh, I'm gonna let this play for a second. Love that shot so much. It's so cool. And again, like clearly a a Star Wars homage, right? This is the Star Mm -hmm. Destroyer passing over your head for A New Hope. Um, And the thing I love about the mothership approaching, um, not only do we just have that iconic shot of it, but again, talking about just the imagery of this movie, and it is very... I mean surface level, but I I like that. I don't need to always read into things super hard. I don't always like that. I mean, this is a pop mm. blockbuster movie. Let it let it be on the nose. Um, right. So you know, it's this dark shadow that falls across the mood, creeping towards the earth. Everything is shaking, and then boom! Over your head comes this massive ship. Which also really cool shot of the ship itself. Seeing the like little carrier base for the the city destroyers. That's super cool looking. Um, but again, just that visual of as it takes over the screen. I mean, you see Earth. It's, it looks like this fragile little marble in the sky, and then it gets blotted out by this approaching ship. Like that's what they're. I mean, that's what they've come to do. They've come to just blot out the existence on Earth so that they can take it. Um, I mean, we get that from the very opening shot, and I love it. And I love the menacing music that that is used for the alien theme as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And that's the first time we hear it, I think, right? It is right yeah. right off yeah. the bat.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's that's Ooh. the music they used to bring in the movie, right? It's it's a very ominous piece.
2: Mhm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh It's it it was not on my list, but I abs- it almost was. I was thinking about it when I was thinking about um the shot of the destroyers detaching from the mothership. Um but yeah, it's I got nothing to add, man. It's it's, it's wonderful. Yeah. It's a wonderful shot.
1: Well cool then why, um, why don't you throw out another one then?
2: How about uh the arrival of Air Force One and everyone to area fifty one um i I you mentioned Dr. Oaken already you know his introduction, which is it's kind of paired along with that. Uh, I guess I should have mentioned it earlier, but um I just really like the idea that you know we went from total normalcy to surreal to this alien threat and then we're gonna find out oh there's secrets that we're keeping too like there's things that we don't know about here on earth already and we go to area 51 and we see all that stuff that like you know all these scientists have been working on for all these years that we had no idea about you know even the president didn't know about so you know in a weird way it really does kind of feel like we're in President Whitmore's shoes and like all these other these um you know, Julius and everybody who are just kind of fish out of water now. You know, they're thrown into this situation and meanwhile there's things they can be doing. There's there's you know, this is they don't realize realize it yet, but this place will be their salvation. This is gonna be the place that um essentially all the great minds are gonna come together and they're gonna solve the problem. All the all the people are going to gather here. You you know, think about it. It really is the gathering of, you know, it's, it's kind of King Arthur's court, right? You have um, Russell Case is going to be there. Uh, Steve Hiller is going to end up there with Russell. Uh, obviously, President Whitmore, David, Dr. Oaken. Um, I think that might be it in terms of the, like, really crucial characters who, like, have a big part to play. Connie, who's there, who saves the other people who are outside later on. Major Mitchell, who saves the president and then helps, you know, uh, shoot the aliens back. And it's just like all this crazy stuff happens here. But then also this is the launching pad of the salvation of the human race is, is Area 51. Um, and I don't know what it is. Just like kind of descending into that mystery. I always really liked it. You know, you have like the, the soft choir singing when they walk into the, the clean room. Um, I'm sorry so this is a
1: clean room we all have to go to
2: open the door
1: (laughs) he does I love it
2: Major Mitchell loves opening doors he does he's a door opener that guy release me hurry quick open the door no wait (laughs) no wait idiot
1: (laughs) General Gray's got no time for Major Mitchell's idiot General Gray has no tolerance and I love it
0: Uh, I I love (laughs) it
1: Ah, don't get me unprepared. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, I I love the way you just – this is a shock moment for me. I'm surprised this is something you'd put on the list and I love that it's there and I love that explanation so much that it, this is the space that's going to be the salvation of humanity. And if you think about it, right, like all of the, the kookiness that – over time, you know, I like how they live in our world that like, oh yeah, Area 51 crashed alien ship, right? It's something that we laugh at as contemporary culture. And yet, you know, the things that we think are just such bogus malarkey is actually, there's a lot of truth in it, right? Like, so I, I don't know, I, as you were just talking about, that's what got me thinking. I was like, I actually, I really dig that, right? Like it's, it's this place that's supposed to be kind of an embarrassment to our country. Um But sometimes it's those uh, it's those things that we consider to be embarrassing about ourselves that are actually our, sel- our saving graces, right? Um, so I love that. I love that little lesson there. That's great. Cool. Um, well, I've got – I've got how many do you have left? I have two left. I have one left. Okay. And I have a feeling it might be this. – I'm going to save one of mine because I'm going to assume this is your, I, one of yours okay. as well. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. So my, I'm going to give my next one um, – which is late in the movie and it's Steve going to space. Um I'm Oh, that's
2: that. a cute one. Yeah. yeah.
1: it's it's actually my favorite moment in the movie. Um because to me S- S- Steve is my favorite character as much as as much as I love Jimmy. Jimmy's like again, he's like a wedge. Like <laughs> you you love to love him, but he can't really be your favorite. He's not in it enough. Um I shouldn't say that. I'm sure he, he can be your favorite. I, I take that back. But right, Steve is the character that at least in this story that I kind of identify with. I love him because he's the dreamer. He's the one, you know, his story has been about like he's, he's been so determined to go be part of NASA. He wants to go to space. There's nothing more he's ever wanted more in his life. I mean, this is this is such a typical child's dream, right? So many children talk about how they want to be an astronaut someday because they want to go to space. That's Steve still trying to live that dream out as, a, as an adult. And, you know, we learn earlier in the movie from Jimmy that he, clearly he's been rejected time and time again because he's a loser. Um, you know, so Captain uh, and Hiller, loser, loser. <laughs> but so, like, as he breaks out of the atmosphere and enters into the stars and he just says, I've been waiting for this my whole life, like if I'm watching it and really focused and. You know, still even after all these rewatches, I like my hair stands on end a little bit or right? I just like it's like, yes, like as they as he kind of just goes out there. I mean, again, it's the worst scenario ever that kind of led him out there. But yet, like he was able to get out there into the stars. And I'm, I'm going to connect this quickly to something from Star Wars, which you know, I, I love that opening crawl of Solo where it says, you know, a young man who yearns to fly among the stars. Like, I love that. I love I love dreamer characters. I love watching those characters dreams come come become realized. And that's really what happens for Steve in that moment. Um, and, you know, there's there's a part of me like if I was in his shoes, like even if he and I'm sure there's a big part of him that thinks he's not coming back from this. But at the same time, it's like. I got to be here, right? Like even if even if I don't make it out, I got to be here, right? And yeah, there's just and you, there's a the Yeah, that. like such a such a sense of of freedom in that that reality of yeah, my dream came true. Like you know, whatever the hell happens on the other end is what's going to happen, but I got here. And that's that's something that mattered so much. And and I love that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Um I have nothing to add. You right. nailed it. All right, and um, and I agree a hundred percent. I think yeah. that's a wonderful, wonderful character moment.
1: Yeah, it's great. It's great. Um, so what is your last one? I, I'm I'm
2: assuming. I'm I'm nervous now because yeah. it made it you you made it sound like you have one that you know I'm gonna want, and I'm worried that I'm gonna say something that's not it, and then. I'm going to be like, oh, no, when you say oh, yours. I'm going to be like, oh, that's a good one. Why didn't <laughs> I say that? Well, I'll, um, will, I'll let you go. I mean, it, I'm starting to think right. maybe
1: it, we are different, but that's fine. That's, that'll make this fun. All right. All right. Break out so, of your alien cloud.
2: My, my moment is President Whitmore in the cockpit. Hold on, command. I want another shot at this thing. Um, just it's <laughs> such a cool moment where, like, definitely just <laughs> What happened? Definitely not mine. <laughs> oh, okay. love it. Um, everybody's ready to give up. Like, oh, the plan didn't work, and the president's just like, we're not done here yet. You know, Kylo Ren, we're not done yet.
0: <laughs> Starts
2: smacking <laughs> himself just, in the stomach. <laughs> yeah, I I just love that. Like at this point, uh, he's no longer the wimp. He's the warrior again. He's not going to give up. He's not going to give up on the plan. He's not going to give up on his country. He's not going to give up on human race or the planet. He's he's not gonna he's not gonna turn over. He he's not gonna go quietly into the night. Um, which now that I'm saying it, I feel like that's probably going to be yours. Sure, well, yeah, um, <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just I don't know what it is, man. I love the fact that he just isn't going to give up. That's his. Um, I don't know. It's I always think of Luke and Dagobah for some reason where, you know, he, he can't lift the X-Wing and, and um, you know, I don't believe it. That's why you fail. President Whitmore believes it. that's why he succeeds, um, you know, despite all odds, despite it being the whole thing, being a Hail, Hail Mary type plan. Uh, he ain't going to give up. He, he's just he's not going to he's not going to go quietly in the night, like I said, and uh, I love it. I love it so much.
1: That's a perfect segue because it, yeah, it, it, it's a speech, right? Like, I mean, yeah. the the speech President Whitmore gives and the way Bill Pullman just it, it does it, it mm. I, I would say is probably the most iconic thing. Twenty five years later, when people think of this movie, yeah. I mean, they're probably their first visuals—the blowing up White House. The first thing they think about verbally is President's speech, right? Mm. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's so iconic and he says some he says so much in that speech i mean that speech is essentially it's it's a call to arms it's a call to hope it's a call mm-hmm. to being determined that we are capable of doing this like we as a species have always endured we've always endured the worst of things the worst of times this is the new worst of times but we as a species can overcome this and like he takes that that genuine optimism into that cockpit for the moment you're talking about for sure Um, it's something I want to point out. And again, this was, this was something discussed in that article you shared with me. Uh, Bill Pullman really put a lot of thought and effort into giving this speech. And apparently right when the, so I obviously played this clip to start the show, because it's going to rouse all of us to want to think about independence day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But when he comes up and takes the, uh, the little microphone thing from major Mitchell, there's a little feedback uh, squeak and uh, Bill Pullman actually asked the sound department to put that in because he had been watching some old speeches from like Nixon and um, Kennedy and Reagan, I guess. And he noticed that some of the early stuff specifically with like Kennedy and Nixon, which, you know, some of the earliest televised presidential stuff, uh, there were sometimes these little sound hiccups and he thought it'd be cool to put that in there, right? Like this is kind of an unrefined space, um, but he's going to bring this sense of refinement to it just with his words uh yeah so you that's know, cool
2: I don't, I don't remember seeing that in the uh in the article
1: yeah I, I think it was in that article i don't i've been reading a lot of stuff it could have also been in the you know i have it, through amazon they have the little like tips
2: and behind the scenes uh, things yeah, might, i feel like that was probably yeah that. it
1: might have been in there too uh again we've poured over this movie a lot everyone
2: i know <laughs> we've watched it so many times it's ridiculous
1: um but yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's that that line, we will not go quietly into the night. It's just so good, I, I think. It's just such, such a beautiful, poetic moment. And again, they talked about how when they filmed this, they filmed it around about three in the morning. Um, everyone was kind of tired. And Bill Pullman, it, it, they actually said that. The response of the crowd, that's a first take. That's how the extras responded to Bill Pullman giving that speech (laughs) on set. Like, it was that good. And they didn't even have the music. Like, that's pretty damn powerful. (laughs) (laughs) Like We have the advantage of also getting that super rousing piece of music. So, um, yeah. I mean, that's the last one I was going to bring up. I just, again, it's so iconic.
2: Yeah. uh, I mean... I, I I almost feel like it's it's too easy to pick that one, but I completely overlooked it, which is really funny. Um, yeah, the, it's it's one of the best movie speeches of all time. Yeah, like, there's no question.
1: I agreed. Um, so yeah, you know, just as a, a general wrap up here, I think the reason I at least, and I it, I, I opened this to you to then answer this question to Joe, which is why are we still loving this movie 25 years later. Uh, for me, the reason I still love it today, I mean, I loved it as a kid because it was just a super fun action movie, um, but I love it still mainly because of its just kind of kind of naive optimism, right? Like we get we all of our movies today and I, 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 all is such a blanket statement. I, I take that back. But so many movies today are all about anti-heroes. They're about kind of these darker stories, kind of this depressing outlook on things and like yeah it's all right we can somehow get through right but they they just tend to have this darker feel to it Independence Day is a is a very warm embracing campfire <laughs> you know um and it's just the way I mean that the closing shot of that movie of everybody kind of reuniting and its just like it's like yeah we can do this when we work together there's nothing we can't accomplish and today that's seen as some for some reason like a super corny outlandish sentiment but you know what? It's kind of an important one, right? Like mm-hmm. that's really like you said earlier, Joe, the movie's really about setting aside kind of these petty differences and petty uh, you know, issues with one another and working together. That's really what the movie celebrates and the mid-90s was a period of that, at least in American culture, right? There was this sense of optimism that there was nothing we couldn't do. And, you know, our media reflected that. And, and I do kind of miss that. There's, so there's that nostalgia for those times when we did believe in the goodness of humanity and that we could do things together. Granted, there's mm. been a lot of ugly things humanity has done in the 25 years since that movie came out that sadly remind us that not everything is as peachy as we'd like, but... But this movie really clings to that hope of, you know, the world can be a really great place, um, and and it's worth working together to to celebrate that. Um, So that's why you know that's part of the reason I to this day I still come back to this movie and and thoroughly enjoy it.
2: Mm. Yeah, I mean it is such like a feel good movie, right? Like when you finish watching Independence Day, you feel good. Yeah, and it's not just because you love it; it's just it's just a. Feel good movie like it's their their goal is to make you walk out of a movie theater feeling uplifted and happy and excited and you know you you had that you know i mentioned before that rush of dopamine you got what you you know you want it you want to see your your heroes prevail right like it's th- there's nothing wrong with watching you know a movie that really makes you think and and uh You know, I I don't think there's anything wrong with putting uh, politics into film. Uh, You know, art is art, and you know, an artist is allowed to make whatever type of film they want to. But like, there's something about a movie that just you know, just is just the goal is to make you feel good that I'm always going to appreciate. Mm -hmm. And uh, this movie is to me like one of the poster children of that. It's it's this. It's a new hope it's return of the Jedi. Uh, you know, even ghostbusters and ghostbusters too, to a degree, like they're a little darker at times. Um, but you know, everybody cheers on their hero because they want to see their hero succeed. Right. Yep. Um, and that's just how I feel about this movie. It's just a really, that's, that's just kind of, uh, the deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it.
1: I love it. Um, that's a that's a great point. Um, so, if you've stuck with us, you know if we've we've talked about this movie for almost an hour and a half now, uh, which and that's us, Joe. We're obviously clipping things quite a bit. There, we could talk about this movie for ten hours, easily. Um, but uh, you know, uh, but yeah, like if you've stuck with us, I'd love to hear what other folks love about this movie. Um, you know, what are the what are the things that keep you coming back to it if you still watch it? And, and there, it sounds like, again, that article you shared with me, Joe, it sounds like there are a lot of people that every year around July 4th watch this movie at least once, right? Just because it's like, oh, yeah, I loved that movie. It was so fun, right? So it, it is a it is a movie that's revisited, it seems like, by a lot of
2: folks. Um, we, we have to give a shout-out to the Twitter oh, that yes, and you and yes. I absolutely adore every yes. year. Uh, there is a... Twitter, I believe it's ID4 in real time or something, yep, right? That's it. Yep. Um, and every year, starting, I mean, really early on, they basically do tweets in, as the name suggests, in real time of the events of the movie, and they'll even go as far as, like, early on, they'll talk about the things that are kind of on the news. Uh, You know, oh, the... uh, I'm trying to think of, like... You know, President Whitmore uh, addressed Congress today... And blah blah blah, and it's like a week before the events of the movie, and they have that kind of stuff in there, and it's just like so well run and fun to like follow along, and it's like oh, there's all these ships that are appearing over, you know, another ship has been spotted over uh, Paris now, and it's it's crazy, it's so like well put together, uh, I love it, I love reading it every year, even though it's the same tweets every year, I don't care, it's so fun.
1: It it is, yeah, <laughs> and they they do well. They change them up a little bit each year, and that's what's still so fun about it. Every time they do, um, yeah, uh, yeah. So there you go, everybody. There are some of our favorite moments from the nineteen ninety six classic Independence Day. As always, would love to hear some of yours, especially if they're ones that we we didn't have on the list. It's always great to hear when people connect to something a lot that maybe we didn't connect to because it's just great to hear other things people are are feeling. Um, So certainly let us know Uh, before we go, though, Joe, uh, you know, if people want to stay appraised of what your projects are, things you're doing in the art world, where can they do that?
2: Uh, I am on all the things, Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm on uh, DeviantArt. I'm on Facebook. I'm on just about everything, YouTube. Uh, Joe Hogan art, all one word, (laughs) easy enough to remember. Super simple.
1: Um, And just a reminder to all of you, uh, first off, again, if you if you stuck with us the whole time, thanks for thanks for being here. Thanks for making Independence Day part of your week Uh, and and just sharing Joe and my love for this movie. Um, But, yeah, quick reminder, next week we'll be back uh, finishing out our favorite moments of the original trilogy. And, of course, our poll for that episode is we want to know your favorite moment in the entire original trilogy so certainly let us know let us know that one um and you can do that we are on twitter um at wampas lair you can find us on uh instagram the underscore wampas email us at wampaslair podcast at gmail.com um joe anything else for you
2: I guess we just gotta kick the tires and light the fires. That's Big right,
1: Big Daddy. So everybody, thank you for tuning in to this special episode of the Wambasler Podcast. This has been Top Independence Day moments. Don't go quietly into the night, y'all. We'll see you Never. next time.